I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... Genetically. So if you do a little gene analysis of these little bugs, these live bugs living in your pill or your yogurt, two different strains of lactobacillus are, are more different genetically than humans are to sloths. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. Today's guest, Ivan Wasserman. Ivan's the managing partner of a law firm here, Amin Talati and Wasserman. He focuses on the food industry. And guess what? There's lots of confusion around what we eat. Not just things like probiotics and other supplements, but just the food themselves. Like, what does natural mean? Well, Ivan tells us the constant hand-to-hand combat between regulatory agencies, food manufacturers, and little old us who are buying stuff off the shelf. It's fascinating. Here's our conversation. Ivan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. So... Vassar, George Washington Law School. When did this focus enter your legal and academic desire? I went to Vassar, like I said. I majored in the budding uh, field of cognitive science, uh, which was the science of sort of how people think. And how do you make a living as a cognitive science major? You go to law school. There you go. (laughs) So, bada bing. So, and I applied to law schools. I thought I always thought I'd be in New York back to to, for my career, but thirty some odd years later, here I am, still in Washington. And once you come to Washington, you know you sort of see that there's a world of of law that is something other than litigation, something other than corporate law, right? Something other than family law. You know, being not from Washington, I had no idea. For me, about a year later, I saw an ad in the in the Legal Times, if you remember, when people sure. looked at newspapers. Yeah. It's not online back then. And there was an ad. The ad said, looking for an advertising and and labeling lawyer. I said, wait, what the heck is that? That's that's a kind of law. And I talked to her and I said, wait, I get to review commercial TV commercials. I get to review, you know, labels of cosmetics, labels of foods and sort of decide whether or not they're compliant and rewrite them. I can rewrite Estee Lauder's copy. This sounds like the coolest thing ever. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. So did you, were you conscious of the FDA and other major federal agencies and their impact on these industries when you first started to focus on this? Or did you sort of realize that after you got into it, like, holy moly, there's a bunch of people, some of them really smart, not paid that much, by the way, who think about this all the time. Where, Where was that interaction? Yeah, no, you know, until you really get into this, you have no idea sort of how much FDA, in theory, at least impacts our daily lives. FDA regulates, you know, people think dietary supplements. Those are things you see on GNC shelves, probiotics, herbal products. You know, there's sort of common common lore out there that those aren't regulated. And in fact, they're, they're heavily regulated. They're a huge part of my practice. They're regulated differently than pharmaceuticals, but but they're regulated. You know, you had a wonderful guest on this podcast uh, that has a salad dressing company. Uh, Everything that goes into salad dressing, everything that's on the label of the salad dressing, how the salad dressing is made is all regulated by by the Food and Drug Administration. So yeah, really comprehensive regulations on all that and lots of really, really cool, exciting startups in this space. They've called food the new tech with the whole plant-based movement, with the whole sustainability and natural, just a really, really exciting time right now to be a food lawyer. And I've 
seen the whole industry evolve in the last 27 years of, of practice that I've been in. Well, you know you've made it when there is, uh, to your point, a version of tech that is in what you care about. So there's ed tech, there's fintech, and now there's ad tech. Ag tech, baby. So you may, you, you're in the hall of fame of technology supposedly, quote, disrupting, unquote, what has been uh, oldest well, there's supposedly an older profession, but the older <laughs> profession of making food, creating stuff for us to eat. So FDA, often misunderstood, often, uh, I think, used uh, in some ways as a kind of the enemy for drug companies who say, without them, you would have great stuff. Where are you in the FDA? I mean, I'm sure there's lots of good things they do that you've seen, and sometimes you may have seen them stumble. What's what, what's your grade on them? Obviously, I'm not in, in COVID. Well, I am in COVID because we represent dietary supplements and probiotics that help boost your immune system. There you go. But, uh, you know, my practice has never been in the pharmaceutical space. And, and my law, my entire law firm, believe it or not, even though we're an FDA firm, doesn't really do pharmaceutical law. So, yeah, the FDA is a huge industry, a huge agency, but a lot of the focus is, of course, on pharmaceuticals, um, you know, r- rightfully or wrongfully. And, and the COVID vaccine has certainly been been the big focus. And whether whether that was handled perfectly, I don't know. I hope that as a country, and this may be going outside your question, we've we've learned for the next pandemic uh, to sort of streamline things. CDC is doing one thing, FDA is doing something else, states are doing something else, NIH, you know, you know, NIH is doing something else. You know, we really need to concentrate this and not have 800 different measures. And even in the food space, historically, we've got this weird thing where the USDA, the Department of Agriculture, regulates some types of food. They regulate meat, meat, poultry, and, and egg products and the FDA regulates all the other kinds of food. So you get these weird things where frozen cheese pizza sold by a company is regulated by FDA. A frozen cheese pizza with pepperoni is regulated by the USDA. Well, that makes sense. That makes, that makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> and both neither agency is going to give up their turf. As we know in Washington, yeah. people like the turf. So anyway, yeah, so from the, on the dietary supplement side, on the cosmetic side, you know, they're, they're very tiny parts of the FDA's budget, and as a result, they have a very tiny number of enforcers, and they're very dedicated people. They're hardworking, uh, but unfortunately, with the internet, uh, especially, uh, there is a lot of opportunity for fraudsters out there. Yeah, and you know, it's sort of whack-a-mole for the agency to sort of get after it all the time. That's the voice of Ivan Wasserman. Ivan is our guest today on What's Working in Washington. He's the managing partner of Amin Talati and Wasserman, a law firm here. In Washington, D.C., you have offices elsewhere or just D.C.? Uh, D.C., Chicago, and L.A. Excellent. Three major cities, last time I checked. There you go. Uh, with a focus on food, cosmetics, and all of the elements of the legal profession that surround those two. So let's go to cosmetics. Yes. If I may. I am not wearing any, just for the record, and our <laughs> listeners will know that. You do look beautiful. Uh, thank you. Um, but, boy, talk about a lot of money, uh, often outrageously high margins. And I just hear we have a TV set here in the studio. I was watching one of the you know two-minute infomercially stuff about bags under the eyes and what this does and that does. Talk about whack-a-mole. How, how do you sort of keep the, the false promises in check in that world? So, yeah, I mean, it's really like any other, any other category of products. So cosmetics particularly, they are in theory uh, not allowed to claim to treat, cure, prevent a disease. And in the skincare category, most diseases would be things like eczema, Acne. Acne products are regulated as over-the-counter drugs. They're only supposed to be talking about appearance, appearance and improving appearance. When the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act was written in 1936 or thereabouts, the only cosmetics on the market were color, right? Maybe right. some cleansers. And rouge. So, rouge. Yeah. So anything that is claiming to change your skin in any way was doing so by putting 
another color on it. Uh, technology has far outpaced the law and regulations, as happens in many industries. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you've got this whole thing of cosmeceutical, which isn't a legal word. And, and some wait, 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 say it again. Cosmeceutical. Love it. Yes, that's sort of an industry branded term. Then you know, there's skin cream products that have that have benefits, uh, but you still can't claim that a product gets rid of a wrinkle. You have to say it improves the appearance of wrinkles. Uh, so you have to play this sort of legal game to stay on the right side of the FDA field. But but to your point, yeah, no, you, you're any company that's advertising on TV. Anything that's on product labels should be supported by adequate scientific evidence. If it's not, uh, they could be sued by the Federal Trade Commission, which is sort of the the advertising cops for those industries. In theory, FDA could go after them, but they don't really do it that often for false claims. And these days, we've got class act, consumer class action lawyers, primarily in in the great country of California, that are causing a, a lot of a lot of lawsuits for making claims that products don't do what they say they can do. But as a consumer, you know, you can try it. Oftentimes you get a money back guarantee. And, you know, now with the power of the Internet, if things don't work, companies are going to hear about it. So it seems like a subset of that arena is the multi-level marketing pyramid that gets deep into personal relationships for selling something that your neighbor promises will make you sexier, slimmer, more pretty. Does your practice or do you find that you're dealing with clients that are trying to put those genies back in the bottle of when the the MLM machine starts up? Yeah. So MLMs are are complicated. You know, you're dealing with with humans. Yeah. As much as you tell them, this is what you can say. This is what you can't say. People are going to, from time to time, go rogue. And And the FTC is watching and it's pretty amazing. So FTC, as you can imagine, and the FDA have been going after lots and lots of products making COVID cure and prevention claims um, in the in the supplement space. These aren't drug products. Um, and I had one client who's in the MLM space who does an incredible job. You know, they have, they, have, they have representatives all over the world. They do an incredible job through technology monitoring what these people are saying on social media. Uh, but the FTC found one statement about COVID that an independent – Consultant Rep, made right, yeah. like 17 minutes into a half an hour YouTube video that she posted. And the company missed it and the FTC flagged it and they had to take it down. Luckily, luckily they were able to explain their. Wow. Yeah. Luckily, they were able to explain the processes and procedures they had in place. And despite that, things slipped through uh, and the FTC, uh, you know, didn't take further enforcement action, but they took that video down. It's Ivan Wasserman. He's our guest today on What's Working in Washington. Ivan's the managing partner of Amin Talati and Wasserman, a law firm here in Washington, D.C., Chicago, and L.A., focused a lot on food, cosmetics, and other arenas that hit our daily lives. So let's talk about food before we go to break. I, just a quick sidebar. My, one of my oldest friends and colleagues in New York um, ended up working for Kraft, and he became the product manager for macaroni and cheese. And I once gave him crap saying, how do you, how do you look yourself in the mirror and sell that spackle? And he said, Mark, it's, it's pasta. It's healthy. It's good. It's good for you. What percentage of the conversations you have with clients or with people against your clients sort of are in denial about what they're actually selling versus what they want to think they're actually selling? <laughs> uh, it, it's, a, it's a great question. And we represent, as a law firm, a lot of folks that are sort of selling products that are going against, you know, the big food, if you will. You got big pharma and I guess you got big food. 
and and they're you know and they're playing in the you know, this is organic, this is natural, this is healthy. Certainly, Kraft isn't doing that for macaroni and cheese. I think <laughs> I hope that anyone that's eating Kraft macaroni and cheese is doing so eyes wide open. Uh, I know my kids sort of live on it, despite my, <laughs> uh, you know, who didn't? Who did? It's delicious. Uh, I, I'm kind of on the. I think some people are on the ramen camp, and some people are on the macaroni and cheese camp. Right. I've always been in camp ramen, even though it's probably saltier and not as Correct. not as healthy. But um, but yeah. So as long as you know those companies are, are not being dishonest, are not in implying that their products are healthy, uh, not by, by implications or not impl- saying that it's natural, for example, uh, you know, putting even not saying it's natural, but let's say putting a, a farm on it or a, a happy cow suggesting it's natural, then, you know, I don't have a problem. And this, and, and, you know, the class action world, uh, you know, there was a, just a big lawsuit against Pop-Tarts, you know, Pop-Tarts, delicious. No yeah. one's eating a Pop-Tart, I hope, thinking they're thinking they're healthy because they want to eat more strawberries, fresh strawberries. Yeah. And there was a lawsuit against Kellogg's, the maker of Pop-Tarts, saying that your strawberry Pop-Tarts don't have enough. Consumers think by what you're saying that your strawberry Pop-Tarts, it has more than it has in it. In fact, strawberry Pop-Tarts do have strawberries in it, just not a ton. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, that case was was thrown out of court. Yeah. But uh, to your point, I think, and, and we talked about food tech before, I do think there is a big revolution in this country. I have a great client that's making healthy soda, for example. Uh, Sounds like an oxymoron. It, it does, but if you put enough fiber, you take the sugar out of it, uh, you can do it. Um, and so I'm encouraged by what I see uh, changing. Of course, it's more expensive, and we've got that issue to have good quality ingredients, uh, good healthy ingredients, but hopefully that'll, that'll change too. Ivan Wasserman, we're going to take a break here on What's Working in Washington. When we come back, we're going to talk about Fruit Loops. Remember them? <laughs> I've had many, many bowls in my gullet over the years, and we'll find out how much fruit is really in Fruit Loops. On What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how business in the region is keeping us competitive. If you are a D.C. insider and want to know what leaders in other industries are talking about, we give you that insight. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. We want perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you. in major cities like Chicago and L.A. Maybe that, that's it. But we're talking about the focus of the firm, which is intellectual property, litigation, protection, and all legal issues surrounding the food industry, cosmetics, up and down the line. It's fascinating conversation because guess what? We are being bombarded by claims, counterclaims, promises, and maybe even sort of social uh, donuts around our perception of given food and stuff we buy for our life. And Ivan thinks about all that all the time. And let's start with what we teased before the break, Fruit Loops. Okay, so um, the old story of McDonald's milkshakes didn't have milk, so they had to change the name. Is Fruit Loops an example of that because it didn't have enough fruit? <laughs> or so, any fruit, maybe? Uh, fruit Loops, uh, the listeners will be surprised to know, doesn't have any fruit. <laughs> uh, but to their credit, they've always been F-R-O-O-T, not F-R-U-I-T. Ah, you might not key. even think yeah. of that. Yeah. That nevertheless, this is America, and that did not stop someone from suing them 
alleging that they thought they had fruit. Similarly, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries was sued. Uh, someone thought that Crunch Berries were actually a natural berry growing on the vine. Uh, luckily, the judicial system worked, and both of those cases were thrown out of court. Excellent. Yes. But let's go into another area that you, I think, have a specific um both comedic and legal interest in <laughs> probiotics. Yes. I am a purchaser of ridiculously expensive little pills called probiotics. Supposedly they help with like 10,000. Sp- they, they make some promise of hundreds of thousands of, of live, things. Huh? In, in them. But in them. In the live microorganisms. Yeah, my, yes. wait, wait. They supposedly make my, my system work better. Mm-hmm. How nuts am I? You are not nuts at all. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, probiotics are a... a an amazing ingredient. Well, first of all, the, the microbiome, and, and hopefully we don't run out of time here, but yeah. the microbiome, we are actually, by cell count, more non-human than we are human. So wow. if you count the number of actually human cells in your body versus the, how many like little guys are living in our body that aren't human, they're bacteria. There's actually more bacteria in our body than there are human cells. Uh, and science is just starting to uh, discover how important the the microbiome has in everything from immunity to digestion, obviously, to everyone hears about, you know, butterflies in your stomach. You know, your gut brain access is a yeah. real thing. So I do think that science on how important the microbiome is, like all the little microorganisms living in our body, is just starting to, 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 to develop. But probiotics, so the interesting thing about probiotics is it's not like vitamin C. Every probiotic is different, and every probiotic strain is different. So it's gen- Going back to science classes, genus, species, strain, right? So it's lactobacillus, gasseri, then like N1427. Say that five times fast. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So people think I'm taking a probiotic. They don't know why. Uh, so it's important to take the right strain of probiotic for why you're taking it. Some There's good science on some probiotics for digestion, some for immunity. Uh, so make sure you read the pack. Make sure you see that they're labeling the strain because it's not like calcium, right? All calcium is pretty much the same. Genetically, so if you do a little gene analysis of these little bugs, these live bugs living in your pill or your yogurt, two different strains of lactobacillus are, are more different genetically than humans are to sloths. I love that little fact. There you go. Yeah. So they do different things in the body. So sloth. sloths. Yeah. So if you look at a sloth, yeah. I and tend say, not to, but you'll yeah, go exactly. Ahead. Like that's that's really not human, and that's really the difference between two different strains of this of lactobacillus. Okay. Uh, so it's important to do your homework. But they can be very good, and I encourage everyone to, to support your microbiome. And it's important to support your microbiome not only with probiotics, but also with prebiotics. And obviously pre means before. Before. But what is before the biotic? So prebiotics is actually what your b- microbiome needs to thrive. Think of it as, as fertilizer for your body. And it's mainly fiber. It's prebiotic fibers. And we okay. have a big problem in America in our diets by not getting enough fiber compared to when we were hunter-gatherers. We yeah. eat so much processed food. Yeah. So there's a whole new category out there called prebiotics, which are which are mostly fibers, but also not necessarily fibers. But they're things that have been specifically uh, studied to show that they have a beneficial impact on helping the good uh, microflora in your body flourish. What percentage of what we just talked about is placebo-esque, i.e. we believe it's going to work and it does? And the reason I ask, my, my brother's an MD, and as you know, the percentages of people being cured, sometimes of dramatic things you would never expect— Taking a sugar pill is is ain't zero, as they say. So where where are you guys and your, or your lawyers or maybe the regulators you interact with on placebo effect for versus reality? Yeah, the, the mind is a very powerful thing, and you're right. You know, I've heard that back pain, for example, there's a great book 
Dr. Sarnow, I think, wrote it that talks about surgery for back pain might not be needed. And people are like, what do you mean? I just had surgery and my back's feeling better? Well, yeah, because your brain's going to say, oh, my God, I just went through surgery, so of course it's feeling yeah, better. Yeah, it's got to be better. So the placebo effect is very strong. But the law, again, I'm not going to say there's no, there's no criminals or shysters out there, but in, the law requires anyone making a claim for a dietary supplement, probiotic, prebiotic, ashwagandha, herb, whatever, is supposed to have competent, reliable scientific evidence, which generally means a randomized placebo-controlled study. So anytime a client comes to me and says, I want to claim my product does X, I'll say, show me your study comparing that it has a great statistically significant better effect than the placebo group. So in theory, in theory, that is controlling for it. Now, ethically, if it is a placebo effect and you're getting a benefit, is that Mazel okay? Tov. Mazel yeah. Tov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a famous FTC case, I think it was, with a it's called a Q-ray bracelet, which is really just a metal bracelet that they claim had some magnetic things and made all this amazing health claims. And in court, they actually tried to defend on the placebo benefit. Of really? It. And the court said, you can't no. just sell a placebo unless you're telling people that's how it works. Yeah, and that's the whole copper shtick with the copper line knee thing. Or do you think there's a, is that placebo-esque I, in I, your opinion? I haven't looked into the Tommy John copper stick. Nice, <laughs> nice, nicely said, counselor. It might, it might be great. But yes. it might be, yeah. yeah. So let's get into words that have power. You touched on this earlier in our conversation. And once again, we're speaking with Ivan Wasserman, an attorney with Amin, Talati, and Wasserman. Ivan focuses on the issues we're talking about. And one of these issues to me is words and the power of words. Like on the way over here to the studio – I was uh, eating some gorp called Nature's Promise. Mm. Nature's Promise. Now, does it say it's natural? Uh, no, but the implication to me with the logo and the whole thing you said, friendly cow, all that, how thin is the red line between the word and the value in the consumer's mind of what they think is going on? I assume it's very, very thin, which is why people like you are in business. Yeah, so— you Respectfully, know, I say that, counsel. Uh, understood. No, yeah, the, the line is thin, and what you think is natural and what I think is natural might be completely different, right? So, and what the FDA thinks And what the natural. FDA thinks is natural. And what the FDA thinks is natural is one of the problems because the FDA has never legally defined what the word means. Ah. So therefore, marketers, advertisers, food companies are on their own to decide whether or not they believe their product is natural. Well, that and, can't be a good that can't be a good thing because then there's inconsistent definitions of natural and it's re resulted in a ton and ton of litigation. And it gets so minutia and complicated. So if you eat it, if you eat it an ear of corn out of the ground, just take an ear of corn, eat it. Yeah. Would, you, would you say that corn's natural? Yes, I would. What if it was genetically modified corn? So GMO, wow, we could do 30 hours on this. Yes. So I don't know. You tell me. Uh, it came from the ground. came from the ground, but it was genetically modified. I don't know if it's natural. Let's assume that that isn't natural. Okay. I'm not saying it is or it isn't. Okay, then. Wait, wait, let's assume that's unnatural? Yes. Okay. Then you take that corn, the genetically modified corn, and feed it to a cow. Is the milk from that cow natural? I have a feeling I'll be hiring a law firm for this it in gets, just a minute. It gets, so I don't have an answer to these questions. But, but are these, these are, but questions these are the, being argued yes, now? Yes, okay. yes. These are all questions being argued now. Uh, and what you know? What's what's natural? Let's say you say your product is ninety nine percent natural. Uh, let's say you have a sweetener. It's a chemical sweetener. Aspartame. Aspartame. And you're and you want to sell that product as ninety nine percent natural, and everything but the aspartame is natural. But the aspartame is so powerful that it's only one percent of the product. Is that a misleading claim? Because the, the wow. sweetener part is not natural. So you get into all these minutia, which you know imply claims, express claims, and it's really. Um, 
it's really a fascinating developing area. Well, one that now, I'm really yeah. conscious of is from concentrate, right? So I love <laughs> I love fruit juices, and I buy all sorts of combos. And some of them have the USDA logo in the bottom left, which I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you, you'll pop my bubble. I pay attention to, but the others is all natural orange juice from concentrate. It says <laughs> at the very bottom. Is that am I again? Am, am I a stupid consumer? No, so the, yeah, it really Feel does. Feel free to say yes, by the way. Well, you're stupid because we're for other reasons, but maybe not for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well uh, done. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so you know, processing gets into it. So we have a lot of things that start off in nature, and then you process and process and process it until it's no longer natural. A lot of the early litigation was around high fructose corn syrup. Right. It's high fructose corn syrup natural. It started out as corn, speaking of corn, but it goes through so much processing that it no longer looks like corn. So I, I would argue that if you take an orange and you – squeeze it all out and freeze it, I don't think that's not natural. Got right? it. Because it's just mechanical process. So, Ivan Wasserman, tell me, we have a, a big question coming up here, so this is sort of a lightning round moment. What do you eat? What's your typical <laughs> week? I, I get that question all the time, and I get yeah. the question of what, what supplements should I take. And, you know, I, I'd like to say... When was the last time you ate at McDonald's? The last time I ate at McDonald's Donald's, I don't actually remember. Okay, so a lot. But, right, but but I'm not sure I would. I'm not sure that that's related to my profession. Okay. Versus my health conscious wife and my sort God of general her. health conscious. Okay, yeah, exactly. understood. Yeah, I, I would have no fear of my health for eating at McDonald's. Got it. <laughs> not not every day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the, yes. the stuff we've talked about: probiotics yes. or additives and stuff. Like, what, what's the regimen that you might that, that you do or that you feel like sharing, or that others might consider? You know, I think there's really good science right now, especially in this time of COVID. Yeah. Uh, but I, I take zinc every day and uh, a vitamin D every day. And that, I think, is really good for your immune system. Well, you look fabulous, just Thank for the you. record. Thank uh, you. Got a face for radio, as do I. But let's, <laughs> let's, let's wrap up with my big question. We ask every guest, if you were in charge of the world for one reasonable period of time, what would you make start? Ha what would you start making happen or happen? What would you s stop from happening? You know, I would like to say... An easy answer like world peace and of hunger, and I would all like that stuff. But just just to make this more about me, because that's what I'm, I like to talk about, and that's why we're here today. Yep. I'd like more people to go to my YouTube channel, uh, and which is probiotic comic. You're not only talking to the uh, a world famous lawyer, but you're talking to the world's best, and happen to be world's only probiotic focused comedian. You can check out my stuff. So I wish I had more subscribers on that as well as more appreciation for Barry Manilow. A simple, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so a simple, <laughs> a simple one, probiotic comic. Uh, that's a, so type in probiotic comic in YouTube. Yes. And we'll see your performances. Yes. I can't wait to go. Uh -huh. Secondly, you have, this is lightning round. Why Barry Manilow? You know, just, I, I, I love showman. He's a dying breed. He is. If you listen to the radio, whatever. But if you go to a Barry Manilow concert, you'll be a convert. Wow, that is one badass assertion to finish out our time together. Ivan Wasserman, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by The Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.